20, and it while bathing, fill the tub about one half full of water, this is an excellent remedy for piles, constipation, headache, gravel, and for acute and inflammatory affections generally, the acid bath, place a little vinegar in water, and heat to the usual temperature, this is an excellent remedy for the disorders of the liver, a sure cure for prickly heat, 1, prickly heat is caused by hot weather, by excess of flesh, by rough flannels, by sudden changes of temperature, or by over-fatigue, 2, treatment bathe two or three times a day with warm water, in which a moderate quantity of bran and common soda has been stirred, after wiping the skin dry, dust the affected parts with common cornstarch, digestibility of food, article of food, condition, hours required rice, boiled, 1.00 eggs, whipped, raw, 1.30 trout, salmon, fresh, boiled, 1.30 apples, sweet and mellow, raw, 1.30 venison steak, broiled, 1.35 tapioca, boiled, 2.00 barley, boiled, 2.00 milk, boiled, 2.00 bullocks liver, fresh, broiled, 2.00 fresh eggs, raw, 2.00 codfish, cured and dry, boiled, 2.00 milk, raw, 2.15 wild turkey, roasted, 2.15 domestic turkey, roasted, 2.30, goose, roasted, 2.30 suckling pig, roasted, 2.30 fresh lamb, broiled, 2.30 hash, meat and vegetables, warmed, 2.30 beans and pod, boiled, 2.30 parsnips, boiled, 2.30 Irish potatoes, roasted, 2.30 chicken, fricassee, 2.45 custard, baked, 2.45 salt beef, boiled, 2.45 sour and hard apples, raw, 2.50 fresh oysters, raw, 2.55 fresh eggs, soft boiled, 3.00 beef, fresh, lean and rare, roasted, 3.00 beef steak, broiled, 3.00 pork, recently salted, stewed, 3.00 fresh mutton, boiled, 3.00 soup, beans, boiled, 3.00 soup, chicken, boiled, 3.00 apple dumpling, boiled, 3.00 fresh oysters, roasted, 3.15 pork steak, broiled, 3.15 fresh mutton, roasted, 3.15 corn bread, baked, 3.15 carrots, boiled, 3.15 fresh sausage, broiled, 3.20 fresh flounder, fried, 3.30 fresh catfish, fried, 3.30 fresh oysters, stewed, 3.30 butter, melted, 3.30 old, strong cheese, raw, 3.30 mutton soup, boiled, 3.30 oyster soup, boiled, 3.30 fresh wheat bread, baked, 3.30 flat turnips, boiled, 3.30 Irish potatoes, boiled, 3.30 fresh eggs, hard boiled, 3.30 fresh eggs, fried, 3.30 green corn and beans, boiled, 3.45 beets, boiled, 3.45 fresh, lean beef, fried, 4.00 fresh veal, broiled, 4.00 domestic fowls, roasted, 4.00 ducks, roasted, 4.00 beef soup, vegetables and bread boiled, 4.00 pork, recently salted, boiled, 4.30 fresh veal, fried, 4.30 cabbage, with vinegar, boiled, 4.30 pork, fat and lean, roasted, 
5.30 How to Cook for the Sick Useful Dietetic Recipes Gruels 1. Oatmeal Gruel Stir two tablespoonfuls of coarse oatmeal into a quart of boiling water, and let it simmer two hours. Strain, if preferred. 2. Beef tea and oatmeal. Beat two tablespoonfuls of fine oatmeal, with two tablespoonfuls of cold water until very smooth. Then add a pint of hot beef tea. Boil together six or eight minutes, stirring constantly. Strain through a fine sieve. 3. Milk gruel. Into a pint of scalding milk stir two tablespoonfuls of fine oatmeal. Add a pint of boiling water, and boil until the meal is thoroughly cooked. 4. Milk porridge. Place over the fire equal parts of milk and water, just before it boils. Add a small quantity a tablespoonful to a pint of water of graham flour or cornmeal, previously mixed with water, and boil 3 minutes. 5. Sago gruel. Take 2 tablespoonfuls of sago and place them in a small saucepan. Moisten gradually with a little cold water. Set the preparation on a slow fire, and keep stirring till it becomes rather stiff and clear. Add a little grated nutmeg and sugar to taste, if preferred. Half a pat of butter may also be added with the sugar. 6. Cream gruel. Put a pint and a half of water on the stove in a saucepan. Take one tablespoon of flour and the same of cornmeal. Mix this with cold water, and as soon as the water in the saucepan boils, stir it in slowly. Let it boil slowly about 20 minutes. Stirring constantly then add a little salt and a gel of sweet cream. Do not let it boil after putting in the cream, but turn into a bowl and cover tightly. Serve in a pretty cup and saucer. Drinks. 1. Apple water. Cut two large apples into slices and pour a quart of boiling water on them, or on roasted apples, strain in two or three hours and sweeten slightly. 2. Orangeade. Take the thin peel of two oranges and of one lemon, add water and sugar the same as for hot lemonade. When cold add the juice of four or five oranges and one lemon and strain off. 3. Hot lemonade. Take two thin slices and the juice of one lemon, mix with two tablespoonfuls of granulated sugar, and add one half pint of boiling water. 4. Flaxseed lemonade. Two tablespoonfuls of whole flaxseed to a pint of boiling water. Let it steep three hours. Strain when cool and add the juice of two lemons and two tablespoonfuls of honey. If too thick, put in cold water. Splendid for colds and suppression of urine. 5. Jelly water. Sour jellies dissolved in water make a pleasant drink for fever patients. 6. Toast water. Toast several thin pieces of bread a slice deep brown, but do not blacken or burn. Break into small pieces and put into a jar. Pour over the pieces a quart of boiling water, cover the jar and let it stand an hour before using. Strain if desired. 7. White of egg and milk. The white of an egg beaten to a stiff froth, and stirred very quickly into a glass of milk, is a very nourishing food for persons whose digestion is weak, also for children who cannot digest milk alone. 8. Egg cocoa. One half teaspoon cocoa with enough hot water to make a paste. Take one egg, beat white and yolk separately, stir into a cup of milk heated to nearly boiling, sweeten if desired, very nourishing. 9. Egg lemonade. White of one egg. 1 tablespoonful pulverized sugar, juice of 1 lemon and 1 goblet of water, beat together, very grateful in inflammation above lungs, stomach or bowels, 10, beef tea, for every quart of tea desired use 1 pound of fresh beef, from which all fat, bones and sinews have been carefully removed, cut the beef into pieces a quarter of an inch thick and mix with a pint of cold water, let it stand an hour, then pour into a glass fruit can and place in a vessel of water, 
Let it heat on the stove another hour, but do not let it boil. Strain before using. Jellies. 1. Sago jelly. Simmer gently in a pint of water to tablespoonfuls of sago until it thickens. Frequently stirring. A little sugar may be added if desired. 2. Chicken jelly. Take half a raw chicken. Tie in a coarse cloth and pound. Till well mashed. Bones and meat together. Place the mass in a covered dish with water sufficient to cover it well. Allow it to simmer slowly till the liquor is reduced about one half and the meat is thoroughly cooked. Press through a fine sieve or cloth. And salt to taste. Place on the stove to simmer about five minutes when cold remove all particles of grease. 3. Ball jelly. Take one tablespoonful of currant or grape jelly, beat it with the white of one egg and a little loaf sugar, pour on it one half pint of boiling water and break in a slice of dry toast or two crackers. 4. Bread jelly. Pour boiling water over bread crumbs place the mixture on the fire and let it boil until it is perfectly smooth. Take it off. And after pouring off the water, flavor with something agreeable, as a little raspberry or currant jelly water. Pour into a mold until required for use. 5. Lemon Jelly. Moisten two tablespoonfuls of cornstarch. Stir into a one pint boiling water, add the juice of two lemons and one half cup of sugar. Grate in a little of the rind. Put in molds to cool. Miscellaneous. 1. To cook rice. Take two cups of rice and one and one half pints of milk. Place in a covered dish and steam in a kettle of boiling water until it is cooked through. Pour into cups and let it stand until cold. Serve with cream. 2. Rice omelet. 2 cups boiled rice, 1 cup sweet milk, 2 eggs, stir together with egg beater, and put into a hot buttered skillet, cook slowly 10 minutes, stirring frequently, 3, browned rice, parch or brown rice slowly, steep in milk for 2 hours, the rice or the milk only is excellent in summer complaint, 4, stewed oysters, take 1 pint of milk, 1 cup of water, a teaspoon of salt, when boiling put in 1 pint of bulk oysters, Stir occasionally and remove from the stove before it boils. An oyster should not be shriveled in cooking. 5. Broiled oysters. Put large oysters on a wire toast or hold over hot coals until heated through. Serve on toast moistened with cream. Very grateful in convalescence. 6. Oyster toast. Pour stewed oysters over graham or bread toasted. Excellent for breakfast. 7. Graham crisps. Mix graham flour and cold water into a very stiff dough. Knead, roll very thin, and bake quickly in a hot oven. Excellent food for dyspeptics. 8. Apple snow. Take 7 apples, not very sweet ones, and bake till soft and brown. Then remove the skins and coarse, when cool. Beat them smooth and fine, add 1 half cup of granulated sugar and the white of 1 egg. Beat till the mixture will hold on your spoon. Serve with soft custard. 9. Eggs on toast. Soften brown bread toast with hot water. Put on a platter and cover with poached or scrambled eggs. 10. Boiled eggs. An egg should never be boiled. Place in boiling water and set back on the stove for from 7 to 10 minutes. A little experience will enable anyone to do it successfully. 11. Cracked wheat pudding. In a deep to quart pudding dish put layers of cold, cooked, cracked wheat, and tart apples sliced thin, with 4 tablespoonfuls of sugar. Raisins can be added if preferred. Fill the dish. Having the wheat last, add a cup of cold water, bake 2 hours, 12, pie for dyspeptics, 4 tablespoonfuls of oatmeal, 1 pint of water, let stand for a few hours, or until the meal is swelled, then add 2 large apples, pared and sliced, a little salt, 1 cup of sugar, 
1 tablespoonful of flour. Mix all well together and bake in a buttered dish, makes a most delicious pie, which can be eaten with safety by the sick or well. 13. Apple Tapioca Pudding. Soak a teacup of tapioca in a quart of warm water 3 hours. Cut in thin slices 6 tart apples. Stir them lightly with the tapioca. Add half cup sugar. Bake 3 hours. To be eaten with whipped cream. Good either warm or cold. 14. Graham Muffins. Take 1 pint of new milk. 1 pint graham or entire wheat flour. Stir together and add 1 beaten egg. Can be baked in any kind of gem pans or muffin rings. Salt must not be used with any bread that is made light with egg. 15. Strawberry Dessert. Place alternate layers of hot cooked cracked wheat and strawberries in a deep dish, when cold. Turn out on platter, cut in slices and serve with cream and sugar, or strawberry juice. Wet the molds with cold water before using. This, molded in small cups, makes a dainty dish for the sick. Wheatlet can be used in the same way. 16. Fruit Blanc Mange. 1 quart of juice of strawberries, cherries, grapes or other juicy fruit, 1 cup water, 1 boiling, add 2 tablespoonfuls sugar and 4 tablespoonfuls cornstarch wet in cold water, let boil 5 or 6 minutes, then mold in small cups, serve without sauce, or with cream or boiled custard, lemon juice can be used the same, only requiring more water, this is a very valuable dish for convalescents and pregnant women, when the stomach rejects solid food, Save the girls. 1. Public balls. The church should turn its face like flint against the public ball. Its influence is evil, and nothing but evil. It is a well-known fact that in all cities and large towns the ballroom is the recruiting office for prostitution. 2. Thoughtless young women. In cities public balls are given every night, and many thoughtless young women, mostly the daughters of small tradesmen and mechanics, or clerks or laborers, are induced to attend, just for fun. Scarcely one in a hundred of the girls attending these balls preserve their purity. They meet the most desperate characters, professional gamblers, criminals and the lowest debauchees. Such an assembly and such influence cannot mean anything but ruin for an innocent girl. 3. Vile Women. The public ball is always a resort of vile women who picture to innocent girls the ease and luxury of a harlot's life and offer them all manner of temptations to abandon the paths of virtue. The public ball is the resort of the libertine and the adulterer, and whose object is to work the ruin of every innocent girl that may fall into their clutches. 4. The question, why does society wonder at the increase of prostitution, when the public balls and promiscuous dancing is so largely endorsed and encouraged? 5. Working Girls Thousands of innocent working girls enter innocently and unsuspectingly into the paths which lead them to the house of evil, or who wander the streets as miserable outcasts all through the influence of the dance. The low theater and dance halls and other places of unselected gatherings are the milestones which mark the working girl's downward path from virtue to vice, from modesty to shame. 6. The saleswoman, the seamstress, the factory girl or any other virtuous girl had better, far better, Die than take the first step in the path of impropriety and danger. Better. A thousand times better. Better for this life. Better for the life to come. An existence of humble, virtuous industry than a single departure from virtue, even though it were paid with a fortune. 7. Temptations. There is not a young girl but what is more or less tempted by some unprincipled wretch who may have the reputation of a genteel society man. It behooves parents to guard carefully the morals of their daughters and be vigilant and cautious in permitting them to accept the society of young men, 
parents who desire to save their daughters from a fate which is worse than death, should endeavor by every means in their power to keep them from falling into traps cunningly devised by some cunning lover. There are many good young men, but not all are safe friends to an innocent, confiding young girl. 8. Prostitution. Some girls inherit their vicious tendency, others fall because of misplaced affections, many sin through a love of dress, which is fostered by society and by the surroundings amidst which they may be placed, many, very many, embrace a life of shame to escape poverty while each of these different phases of prostitution require a different remedy. We need better men, better women, better laws and better protection for the young girls. 9. A startling fact. Startling as it may seem to some. It is a fact in our large cities that there are many girls raised by parents with no other aim than to make them harlots. At a tender age they are sold by fathers and mothers into an existence which is worse than slavery itself. It is not uncommon to see girls at the tender age of 13 or 14 mere children hardened courtesans, lost to all sense of shame and decency. They are reared in ignorance, surrounded by demoralizing influences, cut off from the blessings of church and Sabbath school see nothing but licentiousness, intemperance and crime, these young girls are lost forever, they are beyond the reach of the moralist or preacher and have no comprehension of modesty and purity, virtue to them is a stranger, and has been from the cradle, 10, a great wrong, parents too poor to clothe themselves bring children into the world, children for whom they have no bread, consequently the girl easily falls a victim in early womanhood to the heartless liberty. The boy with no other schooling but that of the streets soon masters all the qualifications for a professional criminal. If there could be a law forbidding people to marry who have no visible means of supporting a family, or if they should marry, if their children could be taken from them and properly educated by the state, it would cost the country less and be a great step in advancing our civilization. 11. The First Step Thousands of fallen women could have been saved from lives of degradation and deaths of shame had they received more toleration and loving forgiveness in their first steps of error. Many women naturally pure and virtuous have fallen to the lowest depths because discarded by friends, frowned upon by society, and sneered at by the world. After they had taken a single amias step, society forgives man, but woman never. 12. In the beginning of every girl's downward career there is necessarily a hesitation. She naturally ponders over what course to take, dreading to meet friends and looking into the future with horror. That moment is the vital turning point in her career, a kind word of forgiveness. A mother's embrace a father's welcome may save her. The bloodhounds, known as the seducer, the liberty, the procurer, are upon her track, she is trembling on the frightful brink of the abyss. Extend a helping hand and save her. 13. Father, if your daughter goes astray, do not drive her from your home. Mother, if your child errs, do not close your heart against her. Sisters and brothers and friends, do not force her into the pathway of shame, but rather strive to win her back into the Eden of virtue, and in nine cases out of ten you will succeed. 14. Society evils. The dance. The theater. The wine cup. The race course, the idle frivolity and luxury of summer watering places, all have a tendency to demoralize the young. 15. Bad society. Much of our modern society admits libertines and seducers to the drawing room, while it excludes their helpless and degraded victims. Consequently it is not strange that there are skeletons in many closets. Matrimonial infelicity and wayward girls. 16. 
Know thyself, says Dr. Sir, is an important maxim for us all, and especially is it true for girls. All are born with the desire to become attractive girls especially want to grow up, not only attractive, but beautiful. Some girls think that bright eyes, pretty hair and fine clothes alone make them beautiful. This is not so. Real beauty depends upon good health, good manners and a pure mind, as the happiness of our girls depends upon their health. It behoves us all to guide the girls in such a way as to bring forward the best of results. 17. There is no one who stands so near the girl as the mother. From early childhood she occupies the first place in the little one's confidence she laughs, plays, and corrects, when necessary, the faults of her darling. She should be equally ready to guide in the important laws of life and health upon which rest her future. Teach your daughters that in all things the creative principle has its source in life itself. It originates from divine life. And when they know that it may be consecrated to wise and useful purposes, they are never apt to grow up with base thoughts or form bad habits. Their lives become a happiness to themselves and a blessing to humanity. 18. Teach wisely. Teach your daughters that all life originates from a seed a germ. Knowing this law. You need have no fears that base or unworthy thoughts of the reproductive function can ever enter their minds. The growth, development and ripening of human seed becomes a beautiful and sacred mystery. The tree, the rose and all plant life are equally as mysterious and beautiful in their reproductive life. Does not this alone prove to us, conclusively, that there is a divinity in the background governing, controlling and influencing our lives? Nature has no secrets, and why should we? None at all. The only care we should experience is in teaching wisely. Yes lead them wisely teach them that the seed, the germ of a new life, is maturing within them. Teach them that between the ages of 11 and 14 this maturing process has certain physical signs. The breasts grow round and full, the whole body, even the voice, undergoes a change. It is right that they should be taught the natural law of life in reproduction and the physiological structure of their being. Again we repeat that these lessons should be taught by the mother, and in a tender, delicate and confidential way, become, oh, mother, your daughter's companion, and she will not go elsewhere for this knowledge which must come to all in time, but possibly too late and through sources that would prove more harm than good. 19. The organs of creative life in women are, ovaries, fallopian tubes, uterus, vagina and mammary glands. The ovaries and fallopian tubes have already been described under the female generative organs. The uterus is a pear-shaped muscular organ, situated in the lower portion of the pelvis, between the bladder and the rectum. It is less than 3 inches in length and 2 inches in width and 1 in thickness. The vagina is a membranous canal which joins the internal outlet with the womb, which projects slightly into it. The opening into the vagina is nearly oval and in those who have never indulged in sexual intercourse or in handling the sexual organs is more or less closed by a membrane termed the hymen. The presence of this membrane was formerly considered as undoubted evidence of virginity, its absence, a lack of chastity. The mammary glands are accessory to the generative organs. They secrete milk, which the all-wise gatherer provided for the nourishment of the child after birth. 20. Menstruation, which appears about the age of 13 years is the flow from the uterus that occurs every month as the seed germ ripens in the ovaries. God made the sexual organs so that the race should not die out. He gave them to us so that we may reproduce life, and thus fill the highest position in the created universe. The purpose for which they are made is high and holy and honorable, 
and if they are used only for this purpose and they must not be used at all until they are fully matured they will be a source of greatest blessing to us all. Illustration, the two paths what will the girl become? At 13, bad literature at 20, flirting and coquetry at 26, fast life and dissipation at 40, an outcast at 13, study and obedience at 20, virtue and devotion at 26, a loving mother at 60, an honored grandmother 21. A careful study of this organ, of its location, of its arteries and nerves, will convince the growing girl that her body should never submit to corsets and tight lacing in response to the demands of fashion, even though nature has so bountifully provided for the safety of this important organ. By constant pressure the vagina and womb may be compressed into a one-third their natural length or crowded into an unnatural position. We can readily see, then, the effect of lacing or tight clothing. Under these circumstances the ligaments lose their elasticity, and as a result we have prolapses or falling of the womb. 22. I am more anxious for growing girls than for any other earthly object. These girls are to be the mothers of future generations, upon them hangs the destiny of the world in coming time, and if they can be made to understand what is right and what is wrong with regard to their own bodies now, while they are young. The children they will give birth to and the men and women who shall call them mother will be of a higher type and belong to a nobler class than those of the present day. 23. All women cannot have good features, but they can look well, and it is possible to a great extent to correct deformity and develop much of the figure. The first step to good looks is good health, and the first element of health is cleanliness. Keep clean wash freely, bathe regularly, all the skin wants is leave to act, and it takes care of itself. 24. Girls sometimes get the idea that it is nice to be weak and delicate, but they cannot get a more false idea. God meant women to be strong and able-bodied, and only by being so can they be happy and capable of imparting happiness to others. It is only by being strong and healthy that they can be perfect in their sexual nature, and it is only by being perfect in this part of their being that you can become a noble, grand and beautiful woman. 25. Up to the age of puberty. If the girl has grown naturally, waist, hips and shoulders are about the same in width, the shoulders being, perhaps, a trifle the broadest, up to this time the sexual organs have grown but little, now they take a sudden start and need more room, nature aids the girls, the tissues and muscles increase in size and the pelvis bones enlarge, the limbs grow plump, the girl stops growing tall and becomes round and full, and suspected strength comes to her, Tasks that were once hard to perform are now easy, her voice becomes sweeter and stronger, the mind develops more rapidly even than the body, her brain is more active and quicker, subjects that once were dull and dry have unwanted interest, lessons are more easily learned, the eyes sparkle with intelligence, indicating increased mental power, her manner denotes the consciousness of new power, toys of childhood are laid away, womanly thoughts and pursuits fill her mind budding childhood has become blooming womanhood. Now, if ever, must be laid the foundation of physical vigor and of a healthy body. Girls should realize the significance of this fact. Do not get the idea that men admire a weakly, puny, delicate, small-waisted, languid, doll-like creature, a libel on true womanhood. Girls admire men with broad chests, square shoulders, erect form, keen bright eyes, hard muscles and undoubted vigor. Men also turn naturally to healthy, robust, well-developed girls, and to win their admiration girls must meet their ideals. A good form, 
a sound mind and a healthy body are within the reach of 9 out of 10 of our girls by proper care and training. Physical bankruptcy may claim the same proportion if care and training are neglected. 26. A woman 5 feet tall should measure 2 feet around the waist and 33 inches around the hips. A waist less than this proportion indicates compression either by lacing or tight clothing. Exercise in the open air. Take long walks and vigorous exercise, using care not to overdo it. Housework will prove a panacea for many of the ills which flesh is heir to. One hour's exercise at the wash tub is of far more value, from a physical standpoint, than hours at the piano. Boating is most excellent exercise and within the reach of many. Care in dressing is also important, and, fortunately, fashion is coming to the rescue here. It is essential that no garments be suspended from the waist. Let the shoulders bear the weight of all the clothing, so that the organs of the body may be left free and unimpeded. 27. Sleep should be had regularly and abundantly. Avoid late hours, and do excitement, evil associations, partake of plain, nutritious food, and health will be your reward. There is one way of destroying health, which, fortunately, is not as common among girls as boys and which must be mentioned ere this chapter closes. Self-abuse is practiced among growing girls to such an extent as to arouse serious alarm. Many a girl has been led to handle and play with her sexual organs through the advice of some girl who has obtained temporary pleasure in that way, or, perchance, chafing has been followed by rubbing until the organs have become congested with blood, and in this accidental manner the girl discovered what seems to her a source of pleasure, but which, alas, is a source of misery, and even death. 28. A.S. in the boy, so in the girl. Self-abuse causes an undue amount of blood to flow to those organs, thus depriving other parts of the body of its nourishment, the weakest part first showing the effect of want of sustenance. All that has been said upon this loathsome subject in the preceding chapter for boys might well be repeated here, but space forbids. Read that chapter again and know that the same signs that betray the boy will make known the girl addicted to the vice, the bloodless lips, the dull, heavy eye surrounded with dark rings, the nerveless hand, the blanched cheek, the short breath, the old, faded look, the weakened memory and silly irritability tell the story all too plainly, the same evil result follows, ending perhaps in death, or worse, in insanity, aside from the injury the girl does herself by yielding to this habit, there is one other reason which appeals to the conscience, and that island self-abuse is an offense against moral law it is putting to a vile, selfish use the organs which were given for a high, sacred purpose. 29. Let them alone, except to care for them when care is needed, and they may prove the greatest blessing you have ever known. They were given you that you might become a mother, the highest office to which God has ever called one of his creatures. Do not debase yourself and become lower than the beasts of the field. If this habit has fastened itself upon any one of our readers, stop it now. Do not allow yourself to think about it. Give up all evil associations. Seek pure companions. And go to your mother, older sister, or physician for advice. 30. And you, mother, knowing the danger that besets your daughters at this critical period, are you justified in keeping silent? Can you be held guiltless if your daughter ruins body and mind because you were too modest to tell her the laws of her being? There is no love that is dearer to your daughter than yours, no advice that is more respected than yours, no one whose warning would be more potent. Fail not in your duty, as motherhood has been your sweetest joy, 
so help your daughter to make it hers. Save the boys. Plain words to parents. 1. With a shy look, approaching his mother when she was alone, the boy of 15 said, There are some things I want to ask you. I hear the boys speak of them at school, and I don't understand, and a fellow doesn't like to ask anyone but his mother. 2. Drawing him down to her, in the darkness that was closing about them, the mother spoke to her son and the son to his mother freely of things which everybody must know sooner or later, and which no boy should learn from anyone but his mother or father. 3. If you do not answer such a natural question your boy will turn for answer to others, and learn things, perhaps, which your cheeks may well blush to have him know. 4. Our boys and girls are growing faster than we think. The world moves, we can no longer put off our children with the old nurse's tales, even MacDonald's beautiful statement, out of the everywhere into the there, does not satisfy them when they reverse his question and ask, where did I come from? 5. They must be answered, if we put them off, they may be tempted to go elsewhere for information, and hear half-truths, or whole-truths so distorted, so mingled with what is low and impure that, struggle against it.